This is After School on Core 77. I'm Don Lehman. You probably know 53 from their iPad sketch app, Paper. Unlike other sketch apps, which are loaded with pro features, Paper is noticeable for how pared down it is. By using just six brushes, a color mixing palette, and intuitive gestures, Paper gets out of the way of the sketch process and allows you to focus on getting your ideas down as effortlessly as possible. 53 has brought the same philosophy to their first hardware product, called Pencil. Pencil is a stylus designed to complement paper, and just like paper, it eliminates pro features, making way for more natural feeling ones, like an eraser and probably the smartest take on a blending tool ever. Today, we have three of the industrial designers responsible for Pencil's creation. 53 is John Harris, Johnny Keda, and Audrey Luchard. Stay tuned. So you guys have been busy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How is, uh, how's the launch? Quite of- the launch. It, it was, uh, wow, it was amazing. An amazing launch. We couldn't ask for a better reception just from a uh, press perspective. Um, and then just consumers or creators just really excited about getting a pencil. So it's been phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. May, um, maybe... As we start here, maybe I could have you introduce yourselves and just say your name. So, you know, because there's there's three of you on the on the line and that way people can identify who you are. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I'm John Harris. I'm a co-founder here at uh, 53. Hi, I'm Audrey Lucia, and I'm an industrial designer here at 53. Hi, I'm John Akeda. I'm a hardware designer here at 53. Cool. And... So how did, how did you guys come together to to kind of start 53 cuz you guys are you're split between New York and Seattle what's sort of the the background that kind of got you all together Yeah so from the beginning um the four co-founders so George Pechnik, Andrew Allen, Julian Walker and myself uh we're all based initially in in Seattle so we were, we all met at Microsoft um, George and I work closely at Pioneer Studios, and when we in that Pioneer Studios, it was an incubation group uh, where we were thinking about new businesses in the entertainment and devices division, and that's where Courier came about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through that effort, we met uh, Andrew Allen and brought him on board as a lead interaction designer for Courier, um, and uh, Julian Walker we met through. Um, uh, through uh, an acquaintance, uh, Lutz Gerhard, and um, from Live Labs, and so S- Lu- Julian used to work on at Live Labs Photosynth and Sea Dragon, and so and so yeah. So at Microsoft, we the four founders came together, got to know each other. Um, while that was going on, um, you know, a lot of other there's a number of other 53 employees. Um, that we had worked before at Microsoft with as well. And so, like, for example, John and I, when I first joined Microsoft, that's when we first met. Yeah, yeah, we met when uh, when John first joined Microsoft. Uh, he joined the Zune team. I was on a loan from the Xbox team uh, to work on Zune. Uh, I was working on Zune at night, or Zune during the day and Xbox at night. 
and uh, we met um, he, he uh, uh, when he joined the Zoom team, and um, we uh, worked on Zoom products together for a while. And then when he uh, he he went to Pioneer Studios, and I I ended up going back full time to Xbox, and uh, we we always vowed that we would come back together on the right project and uh, work together. And, and we worked on, we did work on a couple of incubation projects together where uh, Pioneer Studios crossed over into the gaming world. And uh, we worked on some projects there because uh, I was the kind of the guy at Xbox for that. So uh, we did, but we never, um, nothing ever came to fruition at, at Microsoft until um, until we kind of started uh, noodling on the side about 53. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then Audrey, um, we hired Audrey into Pioneer Studios many years ago. That was even before, I think, while we were getting Courier started. Yeah, before so, Courier, yeah. Um, and then I joined the Courier team full-time after that. Yeah, good. But maybe we should talk <laughs> about Courier a little bit because it seems to be, a you know, the common thread for everyone at 53. It's Kind of the most famous secret tech project of the past That's right. <laughs> 10 years. Can you just uh, explain a little bit kind of what the idea was behind it? Uh, yeah, so Courier was really the idea of freeform creation and, and bridging the analog and digital worlds. And so um, a lot of it was really thinking about how do you reinvent freeform computing? You know, how would you reinvent an operating system you know, to give you those types of experiences. And what came out of that was this two-screen interaction um, experience with a, with a two-screen tablet and pen, um, and then a, a free-form experience or OS-level experience on top of that with applications and such. And so, um, you know, many of you have seen the videos that emerged from that on, on YouTube and such, um, but it was, it was a phenomenal experience, you know. Um, one, uh, you know, building up a team for that and and really exploring, you know, what freeform commuting could mean, you know, for, for the future. There's a lot of there's a lot of fans even within the Microsoft, especially in the design disciplines for career. I remember when John when career kinda of took off and John came over and he's like, Hey, you know, what are you working on? <laughs> you know, and and uh, man, there's so many of us we wanted to work on it. You know, some of us were already working on some other projects that we had committed to so we so we couldn't but uh you know, I think uh, a lot of the design community at, at, at my, in, internal to Microsoft uh, kept uh, kept tabs on 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 Courier and and was you know wishing it wishing it the best best possible chance of of, of coming to life. Well, I think not only was it a really kind of fun type of product or experience to work on, but we also built a really amazing culture oh, yeah. um, uh, between not only within design but between design and engineering. Um, and like in, internally, like um, I at the time was I, I led creative for Microsoft, so um, you know we spent a lot of time you know building up a brand design team, and that's where uh, we brought up Becky Brown, who now works at Fifty Three. She's our brand designer. So she headed up uh, our brand uh, for for Courier, um, and then we built a industrial design team. So we had let's see there about. Four or five designers, yeah. the team at yeah. the time that Audrey worked with, and then we we built a sizable interaction team. And then besides that, you know, we had uh, we were building up the engineering organization, you know, through um, uh, through what we called Alchemy Ventures at the time. Um, the design team was attached to this this broader 
uh, incubation engine and and we started to bring in engineering resources and start to bring you know the idea of career to life it was it was fun yeah it was such a it was such a it was such an easy product experience to believe in right it was it was it was it seemed you know like something that the world really needed right like there was this huge lack of 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 this tool that even we ourselves felt that hey man this is something that we could use every day you know so there was the belief in it was so strong right because it, it just inherently made sense right and to this day right like you know if you've seen that video to this day nothing does that yet that's <laughs> true. That's you know, true. Yeah. Nothing, nothing accomplishes the vision of that yet. You know, I think what was so powerful about Korea at the time is, um, you know, consumption has always, or consumption-like devices and experiences have dominated the market for such a long time. We just saw this opening for for creation, um, and then the one thing that's interesting about Microsoft is, you know, Microsoft has always been about productivity and in creation in many ways. And so this was like a rebirth or uh, rethinking office and, and everything that was, you know, great about Microsoft for, you know, for tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it was really kind of, you know, and I think that's maybe what the battle came down to was that it was this brand new path for Microsoft. And then there was uh, this kind of Windows 8. And I think that's kind of what it came down to was either we're going to do Corey or we're going to do Windows 8, right? Yeah, perhaps, perhaps to some degree, although, you know, we saw the way we viewed it, at least from the Courier team, was those two things came together, where Courier was more about the early phases of creation yeah. um, with free, you know, with the, the free form experiences. And eventually, you know, everyone needs to get into that more productivity side where you're doing, you know, CAD or, you know, putting together a PowerPoint presentation. And so... We thought it would have been a nice way to bridge the gap there from kind of that post-it note, you know, legal pad world in digital form to something that's more, you know, productivity based. Yeah. You know, and in the end, it's like timing in politics, right? Like yeah. any big company, right? Like, uh, like, like, and I don't think anyone, uh, anyone who's ever worked at Microsoft or works there at Microsoft would say that there's that you know there's a lack of politics there, right? I mean, any large company, it's any large it's, company. It's a problem in any yeah, corporation. Yeah, any big company has that, right? Like, um, you know, there's politics, and you know, the the, the machine, the machine has uh, a, a momentum and a path that sometimes, depending on you know what it's doing, uh, allows for and doesn't allow for certain types of things to happen, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But, but in general, you know, through Courier, you know, a lot of us just became so passionate and excited about the creation space and we wanted to do more with it. As sad as it was that Courier yeah. shut down, um, uh, when, when Courier uh, closed, you know, selfishly for me, you know, John and Audrey joined the Xbox design team, you know, <laughs> and I had always wanted to work with them, you know, day to day and uh you know, it was uh, it was actually one of the first times um, where um, we had multiple parts of a design organization at Microsoft kind of come together under one group under Stuart Ashman, right? And we, uh, um, uh, it was really cool. You know, it was really cool to have this larger design group that was, you know, we were all kind of motivated around the same things around experience. Well, and it was innovation. a lot of fun. You know, we. Um one of the cool things that we did when we returned to Xbox was build an in-house studio. Yeah. Um, 
for for design, and so bringing a lot of those resources on the inside, and and we got to you know play around and really envision what you know next generation entertainment could be. Yeah, and so a lot of a lot of what we did was kind of the underlying vision work for um, Xbox One or what it could be, and some other future future projects. We learned, you know, what we, uh, you know, uh, not to downplay this, right? Like, uh, I mean, I learned so much. I learned so much working at Microsoft, right? So, you know, working at a place like that, it, you know, you, you, you learn a lot, right? And you're surrounded by all these brilliant people. Let's just say Microsoft's failure and successes is not for lack of brilliant people, right? They have tons of brilliant people working there, you know, and, and that exposure to that is, is pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. So, what from that experience did you bring? What lessons did you learn that you brought over to Fifty Three and how you set up the company? Oh my God! That <laughs> oh my God! You need more than an hour for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's also like, what did you bring and what do you leave behind? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, what did you leave behind? That's a good question. You know, I, I think. You know, coming over to, or, or as we thought about forming 53, um, you know, a lot of our core beliefs were to build a company that we would just love working at and love working with, with like-minded people. And so um, a, lot of, a lot of building 53 is about finding high-quality, really talented craftsmen um, from all types of disciplines um, that that we have a history with, and that we enjoy working with, and that we know that together we could create some you know amazing things. We wanted to build a culture of of makers, and so a lot of what we wanted to leave behind were the politics um, and the bureaucracy, and just try and create a flat organization where we could you know create what we love, and um, and really enjoy doing it with with friends, with good friends. Yeah, from like a tactical or you know standpoint too. We we, I mean, because that that question goes to so many levels. Like for example, you know, one of the things we took from um, we took away that's a positive thing we took away from um, Microsoft is we took around we took away a rigorous a rigorous engineering process, right? Our engineering and manufacturing process for software and hardware is quite rigorous, right? We uh, you know the level of of thoroughness that we do to test and qualify our products and make sure that um, they're robust and, and engineered and best practices, you know, all, those are some great things we took away from there, right? Um, and yeah, at the same time, you know. Microsoft once, was, a, I mean, don't get us wrong, like Microsoft was an awesome experience. Oh, for, yeah, for yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the freedom we had there to envision and try things out and experiment uh, was, 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 was awesome. You know, but the, the biggest thing we probably... I think one of the things that we really wanted to focus on when we came to 53 is we, you know, we wanted to start always, always start with the product experience first and then work our way backwards into technology, right? There's another person who used to say that a lot, right? And we really, we really wanted to make sure that whenever we did anything, at 53, we always did that. We always looked at the consumer. We always looked at um, the the use model and the interaction and the experience, the overall ex experience, the brand. We looked at all those things first, then look to how 
we implement it? How, what technology do we use to enable it, right? What business will support that, right? Um, that's, that's key. That was key for us, I think. I think the other key thing that we really brought with us is, um, you know, if you look at, for example, Xbox, um, the way that they're really able to innovate in that space, because there's a lot of competition. You know, you look at 360 and the emergence of 360 against PlayStation, Nintendo, but where they really, really dominated was thinking about experiences, holistically, hardware, software, and services, and how those all come together to create something that truly was innovative. And that I think that remained with us or core with us. Yeah. And so if you look at 53, you know, there's not a lot of startups that think about hardware, software, services from the get-go or, or have the structure to do that. And so um, we're really conscious about that. I mean, even from the beginning, we're thinking from a hardware, software, service standpoint. Yeah. So, um, so hardware has always been sort of the intent in the kind of in the background. Um, but then, but, you know, obviously you guys launched with paper how was it? Because I remember going when paper first launched, I downloaded it right away and kind of just fell in love with all of the qualities yeah. of the um, uh, just the tools that the, and the output you would get from those tools. And so, you know, you go and, and do a little research on the company itself. And it, it was like, oh, that's interesting. There's a few industrial designers working there. I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what those people are working on. And yeah. so. Hey, uh, hey, yeah. Support. Uh, we answer the phone. No. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I wonder, you know, kind of what have the past um, uh, eighteen months to two years been like for you guys? Because you've been somewhat working away in the background. I'm, I'm, you know, I think when we talked last, you were, you, you said, kind of pencil had always kind of been, you know, something that was going to happen. At, at some point, and it was just a matter of getting it right. So, what have the last eighteen months been like for you guys? It's it's been eye opening. That's yeah, for sure. yeah. And it's been yeah. it's been humbling. <laughs> yeah, you know, we uh, it was it was you know we we wanted to launch uh, we wanted to launch our I mean in the ideal world we would have launched hardware software services all at once bang right, right. The, you know and 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 uh, you know the complete holistic experience right but you know there's those three things have just really different development, really different like lead times and all that kind of stuff, right? And um, you know, the first uh, the first eight to ten months, you know, because we started with, hey, this is what we want to, this is what we might want to do with a pencil, right? The first eight to ten months, we really spent doing like research, right? Like technology, like once we decided on like here are the experiences we want to target, we actually had to do some technology research and, and, and figure out like, hey, you know, oh, how are we gonna, how are we gonna make these experiences happen, you know? And initially, um, uh, you know, as, as designers, you know, going into research mode, it, it's, it's, it's really exciting, right? But you know, it's full, it's full of ups and downs, you know, like one week you're like, yes, this is going to work. And next week, like, no, it's not going to work, you know? Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, it took us a while to get to like a, Hey, I think this is what we want to accomplish. Right. And like, and, and, uh, this is what we've learned. And I think we think this is what our first, the first of our products could be, you know, and, and that, that took a while. It took us a good eight, nine months to decide that. Right. But 
we don't feel that it was any time wasted at all, right? Because well, you know, it helps set up our vision and yeah, for the years to come. Yeah, because really, you know, you know, we we put the time into thinking about what we wanted to do, and so then when it came time to actually start doing that, um, the path was a lot more clear. And so, also, like, you know, you got to realize too, we're we're a startup. So when we first got started on the hardware side. Um, you know, we didn't have all the resources that we're accustomed to being in a large corporation. There's a lot of infrastructure in place and partnerships um, with manufacturing yeah, and engineering and and um, and so a we lot had of, none of those. Yeah, we, like we, zero. we had none of that. <laughs> yeah. we were starting from yeah, yeah. So who's out there with you in, in Seattle? Is it, is it just you three or is there other? Oh, no, oh, no, no. Oh, there's, no, there's no, a whole no, team. No, no. So in the beginning days, it was John and I on the hardware side. So. Um, and so when we thought about hardware, we had to think about not only the vision and future of what hardware could be, but really building out the hardware infrastructure. So that meant bringing on engineering. And so bringing on Jim Koo, who's our director of hardware engineering, he used to work with us at Xbox, at, at, at Xbox and Microsoft PC hardware, but also Sonos. We brought on hardware operations, you know, we brought on firmware, electrical engineering, um, and at the same time, we spent, um, you know, with the help of Jim and Richard, um, you know, figuring out how to set up manufacturing over in Asia and building up those relationships with not only, you know, CM, but sub vendors and, and going really deep um, so that, you know, when it came time to build a product, we could build one. Mm-hmm. And then as we build it, setting up the, the back end logistical back end so we could deliver the product. So it was is quite quite a feat. There's a lot involved there. Yeah. And and then um at, at what point Audrey did you come on to the team? So I joined in April. Okay. Yeah. And so John and John already decided the path they wanted to go with for pencil. So from then we we finished like designing the all the surfaces and really like the look of the product. And then we focus on all the, the material and the finishes and, and all the details that came with, um, finishing to, I mean, the pen, pencil. Yeah. Audrey actually did to do all the hard work of design. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the actual part that makes you an industrial designer. So, so Audrey's a super talented designer. She came from, uh, one and co and, and, uh, did the arc mouse there. And then, um, and that's, she works. That's you, the Microsoft Arc mouse. Though. Yeah, yeah Microsoft kinda Arc open, mouse. It opens up, it folds, kind of nice and. Tight. Yeah, 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 it's our, still our favorite mouse. Exactly, and she and worked we're not on, saying that just because she's sitting here. She's <laughs> worked on a large, large array of just different types of products, from soft goods, um, snowboard, and snowboard boots, boots and, and furniture, and and um, sports product like bikes. Yeah. Yeah. And what's great is when she came into um, uh, Microsoft, she expanded beyond. So one thing that Microsoft does for at least the groups that we're in for industrial designers expands you to think far beyond industrial design. You have to think about um, experience at large, um, interaction design, brand design, how that all comes together. And so she did quite a bit helping us on that front with Courier and and whatnot. And um, I hope you don't mind me speaking for you a little bit. thank you. (laughs) (laughs) um, But one of our superpowers too is just... um, um, Audrey's super talented when it comes to color materials and finishes. And um, when we thought about pencil, you know, we wanted something that was really crafted mm-hmm. and that felt authentic. And so 
helping us develop out really what those materials should be and how they're processed. And like, you know, it was, was important to us. And, you know, Audrey really, really stepped in on that front to help us define that. And we know we go all the way, right? I mean, Audrey, Audrey goes to China. She goes with the engineers to China. She visits the, 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 the sub vendors, not just the main manufacturer, but she goes, she goes to the wood supplier. She goes to the aluminum supplier, the anodizers, right? Like all that, right? So um, to become masters of all the processes that which she's designing with, right? So, which is nice because right. that means we don't have to go as much either. <laughs> At least next time. <laughs> and we, yeah, next, next, we're like, this time we're coming along, but next time it's all you. <laughs> yeah. So, Audrey, what was the conversation that uh, John and John had with you to convince you to uh, to join their crazy, uh, crazy project here? Well, we... We worked on Courier together, so when they told me what 53 was about, I was like, okay, I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, so it, it's hard to talk about uh, pencil without talking about paper a little bit because that they're so... Intertwined. They're so intertwined, and I think that that's really kind of why uh, pencil is so successful in its execution is just that... Um, that connection. So talk a little bit about how you thought about bridging the interactivity between the two of them. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, for us, you know, hardware interaction is a big part of how you think about an experience when you're trying to bridge hardware and software. Um, it is that, that uh, you really have to think about the input model, you know, for w within paper. You know, to do that effectively. Um, but as, as we we're thinking about that, um, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, it came back to really looking at um, like what would be the ideal experience for a stylus in a tablet or iPad coming together. Yeah. And specifically um, it, with an iPad, because there's a lot of limitations to creating a, a stylus for Exactly. Exactly. And so, if you look at if you look at what's out there today, um, you know the first thing you know we do is is research. You know what 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 are the good things about the experiences with you know active styline tablets today or iPads, and and what are the good things and what are the bad things, and and um, as well as looking at what would be ideal, and from that we start to generate you know some insights and start to design around those insights. And for us, like. For example, one of the core insights was, you know, when creating, you know, the, the creation process is such a delicate process. If you have to do a lot of futzing around to get an idea done on paper, um, then you've, you've, you've failed. You know, that idea might get lost, um, you know, as you're futzing around. And so for us, like even the, the simple act of connecting need to be dead simple. It need to be as easy as picking up your pencil and, and drawing. And uh, we noticed that if you look at a lot of active style like today, there's typically a pairing dance that you have to do. You have to uh, hit a button on the, the stylus, you get flashing lights, and then on the app side, you have to go into some setting and then coordinate another button press and hope that they pair. Um, and even after they've paired, you know, when you time out, sometimes it's unclear whether, uh, you know, your, your stylus is gonna automatically connect or whether you have to hit a button to connect um, or, you know, if you want to go to another iPad to use your active stylus, then you have to, 
um, you know, disconnect from the, the iPad that you're currently on and then, you know, reconnect on the other side. And it just gets really cumbersome. So for us, we decided to develop a really simple interaction mechanic to solve all that, which we call kiss to pair, mm-hmm. um, where basically you just take the tip of your, your pencil, you um, press it against, um, you know, our pairing dot on the, on the tool tray. And, uh, and just by creating that interaction without you having to really think about it, it tells, it tells the pencil to start looking for iPad. And because you're touching on that part of the tool tray, it tells iPad to start looking for a pencil and they, and they connect. Um, and also, by and it's really that, fun too. Like yeah, it's, and it's fun too. It's kind of a, it's yeah. fun. We talked a lot about like, how do we make these mundane things a beautiful experience and that's kind of one of those things where you know offhand we just talk about pairing it doesn't seem like a very exciting thing but if you do it in the right way it can actually be a lot of fun yeah i've got but, i've got both a wood and a uh, a graphite pencil here and it's just sometimes i just kind of go back and forth you know just yeah and and, and, the, and the the kiss to pair works super well and and the little kind of animation you have uh, to kind of yeah. give you that feedback is just, you know, it's great. Oh, yeah, our interaction team did a really good job on, on, the, on the visual design there. But beyond, you know, beyond just pairing, so a lot of our value prop uh, comes down to, you know, their interaction side of, of pencil where, you know, if you look at a lot of the styli today, you know, they're either the single stroke passive styli or you're starting to see the emergence of active styli that, um, that tried to be a little bit more dynamic by adding some sort of pressure to it. Mm-hmm. And so we start to think about, well, you know, is there something really beyond that? Um, like what would really, um, what would really enhance, you know, a lot of creative scenarios or scenarios for, for, for creators. And at first I was thinking about the creative flow of creation. Um, like if you look at the analog world um, and you have like a charcoal stick um, you can place your hand, you know, on the paper and you can draw with it and your palm doesn't disrupt the way you draw. Um, you know, if you have a kneaded eraser, you can take a kneaded eraser and start erasing that, you know, right there. Or you can smudge it with your finger. And there's, there's just a, there's a natural flow to that where you don't have to think about settings and menus and, you know, keeping your palm off the paper. And so for us is how do we bring that to the digital world? And and that's where we started to merge these ideas, at least around the hardware interaction, where, you know, you could have palm rejection, um, you know, where you wouldn't have to worry about your palm. And not only that, you wouldn't have to calibrate you know, which hand you're using. You could, you know, turn your iPad around and the palm rejection works, you know, flawlessly. Uh, so making that solid while um, being able to, you know, flip your pencil around in a race, we thought was a big deal. You know, just there being you know, billions of pencils out in the world. It's a natural interaction, right? Uh, just being able to flip around a race without bringing up another menu or a tool tray. To then, now that you have, you can, you know, write with the tip, flip around the racer, that frees up your hand to do something. So we added, you know, the idea of blending or smudging. Yeah, the blending so, thing, like you guys go into that a little bit on the website, but it's one of those things I don't think you can fully appreciate until yeah. until you're doing it, and yeah. It, yeah, and it's yeah. hard to explain because the blending that we've implemented is actually dynamic. You know, depending on you know whether you go along a stroke, you'll maintain that stroke, or you could take that same stroke and then you know blend sideways, and it it blends the colors together, and and it's it's really interesting. You know, we have 
I have to say, like, you know, you know, we're talking about hardware, but, you know, a lot of these experiences just would not come about without the killer software engineering team that we oh, had. Yeah. They're just super amazing. I mean, I think that's, um, I think that's like part of the, maybe the larger question too, is like, you know, we, uh, uh, we, we don't necessarily set out to like build a style. Like we didn't, we didn't say we're going to build the stylus and we're going to build all these styluses that do this and stuff. Right. We kind of, you know, on our best day, the hardware goes away. Right. Like you don't, you don't think about your hardware interaction. Right. You just think about drawing and taking notes and sketching. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, we really to do, I mean, we really wanted to do that in, 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 in a way that, you know, just like um, we talked about when we think about the game world, right? Like a really great, great, great game controller, it goes away. You don't really think about it until after you're done playing and you're like, wow, I, I can't live without it, right? We wanted to build like an indispensable tool, right? Something that you fell in love with when, you know, when you realize how indispensable it becomes, right? But in order to do that, you know, you have to pretty you have to have a pretty tight coupling with the feedback mechanism, which is which is the app. Right, like uh, like any game controller, if the game doesn't give you the right feedback, and vice versa, it, it, the the experience isn't seamless, right? And so, you know, having paper and being able to link pencil so tightly to paper, it really allows us to try to blend those two things together, right? It's not like we're no longer uh, a hardware uh, hardware guys and software guys, right? We're paper and pencil. We're like drawing. We're drawing people, right? We're a company that's about ideas and creating stuff, right? So, you know, just having that tight coupling is what allows us, I think, to to do that, to focus on that rather than focusing on app and focusing on pencil, right? I think for us, that's where things get exciting, too, when we start blurring those lines between hardware and software. That's where the magic really, really comes about. Yeah, because yeah. when you're playing with the thing, right, and you're drawing it, and, and when you're in the experience... You're not differentiating between the two, right? You're not differentiating like, oh yeah, the pencil's doing this and the paper's doing this, right? You're just saying, oh, the whole experience is doing this. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I was thinking about this. In some ways, industrial designers are the worst people in the world to design this particular product because we're <laughs> because we're so used to like having these really, you know, like fully featured design suites, you know, with like, you know, yeah. think of like a, a Cintiq with like, you know, a hundred buttons on it, pro tools oh, yeah. and, yeah. you know, so, you know, buttons and buttons just on the stylus itself. Um, I wonder how you restrained yourself from kind of, uh, you know, adding all those features. Well, the world doesn't go to art school. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, we, we all suffered through uh, industrial design school, foundation classes, right? And, you know, like we have, we have formal art education, right? Right? But uh, much of the world doesn't have a formal art education. If, if we were to go on, go on. Yeah. 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 And it's like John was saying, like, it's about like maintaining the creative flow. You know, like if you want to put your ideas down as quick as possible, you just want to cut all the mess before like even being able to write something or draw something. So it's really about like, it's kind of what we do before using all those pro tools. Like we take, a, it's like the napkin drawing, right? You just take whatever it's there and just draw as, your ideas as quick as you can. So I think it was really thinking about that, about like putting the ideas down as as quick as possible. Yeah, one of our principles is free flow over workflow when we think about experiences. And so um, just making sure that we get all the, 
the fidgety things you have to deal with, just making sure that they go away. Yeah. Like buttons, menus, like we want it to be as dead simple as possible. I mean, if you look at the analog world, you don't have to worry about that. And no. so we get our inspiration a lot from, yeah. from the analog world. I mean, let's be real. Really... None of us really want to learn CAD, right? <laughs> I mean, do we, I mean, as, as wonderful as alias marking menus are, you, you, why, why do we have to learn that, right? I mean, what we really want to do The fact is that it can be infuriating. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, infuriating, right? Like, we, yeah. would, we would not will that upon anyone, you know? Like, yeah. like we learn those things in order to generate three-dimensional forms, right? In, in order to visualize and create in three, in a three-dimensional object, right? But could we, if we could have that measure of control over surfaces and stuff like, and forms without learning any of that crap, yes, we would choose to do that, right? Yeah, totally, totally. In many ways, if we could, I, you know, after, you know, um, being in this world for the last number of years, like it makes me start thinking about these other tools that we use, like yeah. Alias. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you start giving me these ideas and like, wow, we could really simplify this and, and make it much more accessible and, and easier to work with. Well, yeah, that's sort of the interesting thing about tablets in general is that kind of the rap that they have, at least when they first launched, and I think it's still just sort of lingering, is that people view them as consumption tools, but not necessarily creation tools. And a lot of that is just, well, you know, the software hasn't been, and the experiences haven't been created for it to really allow it to do that. I wonder what are the, the challenges or kind of the opportunities you see now to kind of bring some of these other, you know, somewhat, you know, creation type tools to those type of, uh, um, you know, software and hardware experiences. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as I mean, we talk about this all the time. There's, there's, you know, we, we've launched pencil, but there's, there's plenty of opportunities to, to innovate in this space. And, um, you know, pencil has been largely focused on expression. Mm -hmm. So cr creative scenarios that are really more on the expressive side. Mm -hmm. But we also know that there's a lot of creative scenarios that require precision. You know, for example, um, if you look at, at the iPad ecosystem, there really isn't an input mechanism that allows for, for precision writing and drawing. And so, so there's, you know, opportunities like that, you know, they'll come down the road and who knows what the future beholds, you know, when you start looking at, you know, other devices that could connect in from cameras and, and other things that might integrate in an interesting hardware, you know, software way. Yeah. But, you know, the partially too, like, you know, this is, um, Pencil is our first hardware product, right? And then, um, you know, with hardware, you, uh, the, the, you require this, like we talked about, like we had, we started with zero, zero infrastructure, zero, you know, and, and we had to build up the machine, you know, and we built up this, this, the, the, the hardware mechanism, the hardware machine in order to, you know, implement stuff like this and, and, and to, and to, you know, prototype and research and develop and, and, um, you know, we feel like pencil is just like the, the first one, right? The first one's always the hardest. Right, and so now that we've kind of, uh, you know, we have pencil launched, and and um, we're we're definitely thinking about how, you know, how we can leverage what we've built, but also, you know, the great thing about being a startup is we don't have to, we don't have to like lock ourselves into anything um, super long term, right? We have the we have the we capability. We can be nimble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being a startup, you can be nimble. You can you can work 
we can work on other things, right? And that's why when people ask us, like, you know, uh, you know, what's your next stylist and all this kind of stuff, we're like, how do you know it's going to be a stylist, right? Like, uh, um, you know, we have definitely um, a lot of ideas around creation that, that I think that just putting out our first product, we learned a lot doing and uh, that we're really excited to kind of keep looking at. Right? Yeah, what, what's next will be interesting. And, yeah. You know, there's more to just input too, like creation requires output. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. So you start to think about output, that gets exciting. You know, that gets interesting. And technology yeah. is changing too, right? Like what are platforms doing? What's iPad going to do next? You know, and we're out, you know, where's technology going? I mean, all those things, like being a startup, um, you know, we don't have to turn an aircraft carrier anymore, right? We, I mean, you know, there's nice things about having an aircraft carrier, yeah. <laughs> right? But, uh, you know, the infrastructure and stuff. But, but now the benefit of being small is we can turn quickly. I right? mean, if you look at 53 at large, you know, uh, paper's also one of our first products. We're, we're going to move beyond to other creation experiences. I mean, we're, we're always going to invest into paper and we're going to make it better, but we're, we're building a, a a broader, larger, you know, platform for for creation, and so there's going to be all sorts of new things that we're going to get into in the future. Yeah. So let's get a, uh, a little nerdy with some of these design details on pencil because there's a lot of nice little right. things <laughs> that uh, are worth kind of just talking about. So the carpenter pencil, why why go with that uh, that form factor? Uh, yeah. Um, well, if you look at, uh, there's, there's a number of reasons. I mean, this, we kind of talk about this all the time. <laughs> um, but one of the things that we wanted to do when we created our first product is we wanted something that was iconic and something that would really emotionally connect with our, our creator base. And um, what's interesting about the carpenter pencil is um, it's a form that's well-recognized. Um, you don't really see it in other stylus forms today. And, um, and there's a history to it. I mean, you look at, uh, for example, uh, if you look back, if you, if you, if you try and find out what, or, or look back into history and see what is the first pencil that we know of, um, it's a Faber-Castell pencil from the 17th century and it's a carpenter pencil. And so we thought it'd be interesting one, create or use the carpenter pencil metaphor to create something that was iconic, but would also be emotional as well. Um, and get people get people excited, and then beyond that, there's just there's a lot of nice functional things about the carpenter pencil form. Um, you know, for many people, it's a nice feel in the hand. Um, it also has a direction to it, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then the nice thing about carpenter pencils is the tip is something that carpenter pencils shave and form themselves. Um, for whatever task that they need, they'll, they'll customize it as needed. Um, and so for us, the tip is something that's special. And um, there'll be more to our tip down the road. But, um, but the way we designed our tip um, really worked well in that carpenter pencil shape for giving the creator, the user, a really wide range of motion um, and the ability to do, you know, like a shade stroke as well because it it the the tip just flows down each of the sides of of, of the body mm -hmm. so those are just some of the reasons why why we chose the carpenter pencil format you guys have any more thoughts on that yeah i mean i think um there's a utilitarian aspect to a carpenter pencil right beautiful utility 
Um, it's 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 uh, you know it doesn't roll off of workbenches, right? It, it's it's flat, right? So it can be held in pockets, you know, things like that. And um, you know, and like yeah, the tip, right? The tip is is really critical. That flat square lead, right? What what it allows you to do when you when you when you take cross sections out of that, right? Is that you know you can lay down a different type of line, even the shape of the body, you know. We we watched as like uh, carpenters would you know put one side of the body up against a board right to give your 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 line and even spacing essentially using it as a as a measuring and lining tool all at once you know um, you know those kinds of things are are pretty unique for that kind of a shape right and so I think you know having that utility expressed in the form is 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 something that we were looking for also as you know as you know as industrial designers are looking for opportunities not only to make a design statement beautiful design but also be efficient on the engineering side mm -hmm. um and so that form factor is great for electronics yeah yeah <laughs> you know, in terms of um you know how you fit a you know bluetooth module a pcb you know uh, a uh, a battery board and how we're thinking USB about pad. yeah the like audrey said the the usb the usb plug for for charging um it just it's just kind of a serendipitous yeah. coming together of of ideas still no forward. small feat uh, there's no air in there yeah there's no air in there <laughs> yeah the uh you know the way you charge it is sort of ingenious. You know, and it's you know you just pull the the tip out and the and the USB, uh, the battery is all on that on that tip part of the uh, the board. And then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but then when you plug it back into the the pencil body, it it connects via USB to the eraser side. Correct. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. very cool. Um, yeah. What were the yeah, we, um... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, one of the things that we thought was interesting just when we were talking about that whole scenario is we noticed a lot of um, other active style required a cord or a dongle to haul around. And it's hard enough just keeping track of your, your stylus or your pencil. And we thought, wow, it'd be really nice if, if that could all be one. Yeah, I think all three of us have like... So you designed... don't have to worry about it. Especially we travel so much with yeah, all these cables and cords. Yeah, well, the thing is, is too, is yeah. all three of us have probably designed enough cables to like... You know, cables and overmolds in our lifetime that we really don't need to do that again. Yeah, we're, we're, we're just tired at that point. Yeah, no yeah, more cables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? No, no, yeah, who's going to design the overmold for this? Like, not it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we're like, what if we just don't have that? Yeah. Yeah. I was very good at losing things. So that was one nice thing to lose. Yeah. 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 We're really good at losing things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Whoever, uh, invented the word dongle, I think did us all a service because it just feels like punishment for yeah, a designer. It sounds like what it feels like having to need to use it. So yeah, it's great that the USB is all kind of built in there. What were the challenges of, um, you know, you have both an aluminum and a wood body and they're both beautiful, but I'm sure there were uh, the, the guts are the same for both, I think. Correct. Yeah. And so, yes. you know, aluminum is somewhat more predictable in how it's going to finish, but wood, I, th I would guess, would have a lot more trickiness about it and making sure everything kind of fits exactly right. What were kind of the challenges in, in getting that to work? Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, <laughs> we, have, we have battle stars, yeah. but yeah. luckily, you know, to 
to our benefit, we had Jim, Jim Koo on board. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's pretty awesome engineer. And one of the cool things that he did was um, you probably haven't disassembled yours, but what you'll notice is there's a, there's a, there's a metal shield on the inside mm-hmm. that encloses all the electronics. And so Jim was really smart about engineering it such where you didn't even need any screws. But basically, there's some tabs on one end of the shield, and um, each of those bodies, the wood and the aluminum, uh, they're the same dimensions. And you can just slide that metal shield on the inside, and the tabs snap it into place. And because the tabs are a somewhat dynamic uh, fastener, right, that they can accommodate... Uh, some variances and tolerances, right? It's ideal for having two materials, right? Something like aluminum that machines really crisp and is very predictable, has uniform, is, is very uniform, right? Uh, extrusions are very uniform. And, you know, when you machine into it, the, the details are very uniform in comparison to wood where um, sometimes the details aren't quite as uniform, on, you know, and then the machining, depending on the humidity and the temperature and all that kind of junk, right? Like it could change, right? So having uh, a way that the shield could, f- that one shield could fit into both was, was really the engineering uh, prowess of Jim trying to uh, figure out a connection method for that. And so really the way he architected the, the, me- the mechanical engineering stack enabled us to do different materials for that outer body and have everything hold in place. So that simplified things quite a bit. Um, Which then is the really me- great for an engineer. Like yeah. he knew. He knew we would want to do different materials, right? Yeah. He knew that we were, we wanted, you know, that for, a, you know, in order to, when you make a, you know, he himself was like, when you make a stylus, right, people, do, you know, people prefer, you know, uh, different things. You expect a different thing from a metal stylus or from a walnut one, right? So, so you can tell we love Jim, by the way. Yeah, just- <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, so, he, you know, it wasn't a... You know, the thing that's great about when you work with great engineers is they, you know, they, they understand a little bit. They try to understand where you're coming from and plan for those things in advance, right? And so, and then the great thing about having someone as experienced as him is he also teaches us a lot about, he, like, He, he warns us of, of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. our potential mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Our, <laughs> our, yeah, our ability to make numerous and potential errors in judgment. And, and really pushes us to think smarter about the design in general, um, which which is what we need. That's why we, we hire great engineers like, like like Jim and Richard to push us and push us in our design thinking. Um, yeah, which, which yeah and even our process thinking, right? Like um, Audrey, for example, had to, uh, you know, if you look at the logos that are in the wood, right? Like that's a great example. You want to talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, you want to talk the, about the challenges logo? of yeah, the logo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like how, yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a small piece and making sure like everything would come together, you know, like, so the logo itself has some torrences and then obviously the wood has like some torrences as well. And so making sure everything would fit together was um, a nice challenge for us. And the tolerances are different between the, the metal and the and wood. The metal, yeah. So you yeah. have to think about that. Yeah. Like. And then we started development like in summer. When it's really humid, right, in the wood, it's like a oh, certain yeah. way. And then, like, it turns to winter, and we're like, wait a second, what's going on? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, right? So Yeah, did you have to create uh, a different – I mean, they look identical when you have them both next to each other, but do you have to create a different badge for each one to get them to fit correctly? No, the goal was to not do right. that, right? Efficiency. Yeah, 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 like, you know, like – well, they, we're they, gonna bring up guys like Richard. You're like, no, 
we're going to have one part that works for both. Well, it's, right? the, it's, the, it's the same size of part, but there are different finishes between. Yeah. yeah. The good thing is uh, on the wood, the logo pocket is leather etched, so it was easier to to change just like sizes and tolerances. So that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting because you know when uh, George and Andrew showed these to uh, us the first time it was one of the first things I noticed was the badge and yeah. because it's as a designer, I go, Oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Cause that's so hard. To <laughs> but I was really, we said, we said, we're like, Oh my God, are we really going to do this? Well, that's what Jim said too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure you guys want to do that? And we're well, like, yeah, the thing whatever. you don't realize too is, um, or some people don't realize is that that, uh, logo is five parts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've got this tricky little logo that it, it's simple. Yeah. It's simple when you first look at it, but there's actually, you know, there's segments between parts yeah. and the numbers. And then we got to give props to our, our uh, brand designer, Becky, too, because she, what's interesting about Becky is um, uh, she, we used to work together at Lunar Design. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of her career, she's done this blend between brand design and industrial design. She's always worked with product designers. And so she works really well with, with, with products in general and kind of pushing us on, because we had to modify that logo yeah, but quite even, a bit to get it to work. Yeah, but um, even when she initially designed that logo, like one of the first things John and I said was like, oh man, Thank you. We, you know, we're so happy we have Becky. She considers hardware, right? Because we're like, wow, that's a totally easy. Uh, we can mold that. Yeah. You know, that's a totally easy uh, logo to cut out and material. It can be CNC'd. It can be laser etched. It can be molded. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, we're like, it was made for us. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. she designed the initial look. I mean, she was thinking about it in different mediums, from digital to to analog, and she's just brilliant that way. And that's why we we love her too. But yeah. It's well, it's a, it's one of those little things that people will look at it and go, oh, that's cool. But then, you know, people who know will go, someone put an extra little bit of love into this thing because. of Oh, yeah, that, of that. That, that, that was quite a feat. Well, we wanted also, you know, it's such a simple form. Um, the pencil you know, itself. Do, yeah. yeah. How do we give it like that when a form is that simple? Yeah. You really have to pay attention to details and give it detail. And, and the logo is a big part of that. Oh. It's, it's probably the most detail you see. Well, and Audrey pencil. just mentioned the craft of it, right? And, and, yeah. and you know, just like a lot of crafted items, um, the, uh, uh, Jim, Jim and our engineering team, they actually designed, you know, we have to stick these in by the thousands, right? By the, in, a, in a very efficient way, you know, every day and all of them lined up exactly the same way. I mean, they even built tool, a special tool with which to insert these in. Right, they actually made their own tools, and and that's kind of like the pinnacle of craftsmanship, right? Oh, yeah. You're making your own tools to make your own thing, right? And they they've been engineered their own tools to apply these logos. So that's that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. So part of the um, the I guess the fun of of doing your own product, and I'm sure you might have been a little bit removed from this when you were at Microsoft, but now that you are actually you know, there's there's very few of you at, at 53. I think there's 20 employees in general. There's now 30. 30. So, yeah, and we have about 12 in Seattle. Yeah. It's, it's uh, kind of setting up these assembly lines and the fulfillment and, and all this sort of stuff that is sort of goes into a black hole for us when we're, like, working at a company and there's people that are able to take care of it. How did you guys teach yourself about that or, or even bring on the right people to 
help you with that? Well, that's where one of those things where, um, you know, we mentioned this guy, Richard Lom, right? Richard Lom uh, was uh, one of the uh, he was uh, he was actually the development uh, uh, program manager for the the Xbox 360 game controller, right? He uh, really experienced, uh, and he worked at Sonos uh, developing their products as well. And um, you know, um, he has worked with Jim in a past life, and both John and myself and Audrey had worked with Richard um, at Microsoft. So you know, under, working with a development person that really understood um, design and engineering is key, right? Because in the end, that's the guy that has to bring it all together and then make them by the thousand. Ensure that we can make them by the thousands, the tens of thousands, right? And, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, when we think about who we have at 53, we'd like to hire a, a great range a great range of people, right? And but we also try to hire people uh, on our team that can think like they're the the people that sit next to them, right? That can understand the things that the, the things that are important to their aspect of the product, and then yeah. and then tie those things together, right? Like Audrey, uh, you know, Audrey and John are both uh, extremely, really artistic and creative form designers, product designers, right? Like I feel like. You know, they bring this level of thought into things like the interactions of the products and the shapes and the materials. And, you know, Audrey's like our CMF guru, right? She's our, she's our colors, materials, finishes go to, right? Like, but, at the, and then at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm an industrial designer myself, but uh, you know, I tend to be more towards the manufacturing and engineering side, right? Those are the things that I've always been interested in. In business, in. I want to give some props to John here because John is very unique in <laughs> terms of an individual, like in terms of really understanding how design, business, and engineering come together. And so in many ways, uh, when it comes to delivering a product like Pencil, John becomes the hub of where that all intersects. But, you know, we, we all have to play different roles, right? Like, we all have to, and I think actually that's what makes our, our 53 hardware organization, I think, really unique, right? Like, we are able to understand certain things, and we're able to say, okay, you know, this time when we're discussing this thing, the, the priorities are this way, right? Like, uh, you know, these guys always mess with me because when we, were in, we, when we are doing some of the things, like, some, you know, when we're doing development, you know, someone needed to be the, the, the guy who kept the eye on the, on the finances, right? And, and, you know, and so, you know, I would put my Darth Vader helmet on and be like, no, we cannot spend another penny more on this part, <laughs> right? You know, that, that kind of thing, right? A little yeah, muha. Yeah, muha. <laughs> yeah, I said, we need to maintain our margins, right? And then we had guys like Richard telling us, you know, hey, we need to have one badge, one badge that fits into both parts. You know, we can't have two badges that go, what are we going to have, 10 badges now when we have 10 different materials? No, we need to think of, you know, so, you know, each one of us, like, kind of trying to think about what we do. And, and you know, I, we got to really hand it to a lot of the... Uh, having someone like Richard to keep us on track. Yeah, yeah. One of the funny things is, like, when we, I think... Three months before shipping, he started the calendar, right? Oh, yeah, he started the <laughs> countdown calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three months before shipping the countdown calendar, like, right? 29 days yeah, and yeah. four hours. But one of the things that we're not shy about is is was we want to learn, right? We all want to learn. And, and you said, you know what, like, sure, I think all of us in various ways were either very integrated or not so integrated with manufacturing and engineering or implementation of products. Right. Um, the engineers like Jim and Richard being just like that was been their daily lives. It's been the, their whole careers. Right. But then also um, uh, like like us, like, you know, Audrey was not shy about uh, you, you don't have to ask Audrey to, to go visit the vendors. It's more of a 
she's going to the vendors and, yeah. and you know, they better be ready when she gets there. <laughs> right? And because they better, Audrey, Audrey knows how to throw yeah, it down. And they better look, <laughs> and they better look good because she spent hours creating a spec document that they could, you know, map their manufacturing to. So, you know, uh, you know, and all, all of us kind of understanding that, uh, wanting to learn other aspects, it, it's really good. Like, um, uh, Jim and Richard always talk about, hey, man, we need to feel the pain, right? We, we literally go to the assembly line and we literally sit down um, and, and watch the assembly happen station for station. We observe, you know, how people are assembling them and even that, helping out, come up with ideas. And Audrey and John, we all come yeah. up with ideas. Hey, we, we watch this one person. They're needing to use their thumbnail to push this down. Like that that can't be that way, right? We need some kind of thing they stick on their thumb, or there needs to be some kind of a fixture that they stick this thing in so they can do this easily. And that's right? really important in our process for all of us to witness that yeah. because it you know it helps you really understand the pains of what it takes to manufacture and build whatever you design, and so it makes you a better designer in the end. So mm -hmm. next time you go do it, you really think about that. Yeah, and even like on the even on the logistics and fulfillment side, the customer support side, all three of us, we're all on the support thread, right? We see all the support emails come in and we watch and we read them and we talk about them in the office. Did you hear did you read this one? Did you read this one, right? Like we believe that if we really want to build the crafted product, right? Like we need to really I mean, and it's to be honest, I think we see it as a blessing to connect with our consumer that deeply, right? And to connect with our our manufacturer. It's harder to do in a larger corporation. Yeah, so you're not yeah. as uh, attached to the end consumer in that regard, and, and even our dealing with the logistics or dealing with the oh, support. Yeah, even our manufacturers, right? Like, like we know the names of all the guys um, that you know. We've spent intimate amounts of times with the people that 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 we were partner with at the manufacturing level and even at the at the sub vendors in those sense like we you know you know we know when someone who works on our machine breaks their arm or something like we we hear about it i mean we know i mean we, we try to have relationships with uh, throughout the whole we, process we bring them into the 53 family yeah yeah because we've noticed like through partnership is where you you build great products like if you don't have that great partnership between the two parties. It's, it's much harder to create something amazing. And so for us, it's, and you know, John and I talk about this a lot, a lot. like whenever we bring on a new partner, it's, it, it is really literally coming into the 53 family. Yeah. That's the way we see it. You know, so. when we left the Microsoft, right. And, and, you know, and, and you no longer have this, uh, you no longer have the financial backing, the brand backing of, of a huge multinational. The volume backing. The volume backing <laughs> of a huge multinational corporation, right? You know, it, it's quick. quickly you realize the people that you worked with in a partnership level and formed a relationship with, you quickly understand who those people are and, and the, the people who are there just for the money, right? Right? Like, you, 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 like certain, there were certain vendors and certain partners who we established relationships with and, and, and you, know, you know, those relationships were the reason why we we're here today, right? Doing, you know, because and... and exactly. I mean, it, there is no way you could have done what we did without the partners that we had no. had built relationships yeah. with previously. Yeah, yeah. And, and really, it's the relationships that Jim had, that Richard had, that John had, all the relationships that we've had with these partners working through the years and treating them as partners and, and understanding where they come from and, and trying to build relationships. You know, that, you know, we take that, we take that away. 
and we try to continue to do that, right? We're not looking for, uh, we're, not, we're lo not looking to be clients, we're not looking to be customers, we're not looking for vendors, right? We're looking for partners, right? We're looking to build relationships with people, right? And, 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 and the rest of that will come, right? The product will, the product will show that. This and is what we and it's definitely one of the more underappreciated aspects of industrial design is being on the ground and, and, and working with these people. And, and, and that's really where you start to get, you know, the craft part of it. You can have this great idea, but unless you can bring it all the way through, like you guys have done here with, with this, it's, you know, it's kind of meaningless. Yeah. And, you know, For the sure. thing is, too, is, you know, I, I, we don't want to underplay the fact that, you know, sometimes, you know, there's so many times, too, where we go to our partners and they show us something. They show us something we haven't seen. Yeah. Right. And that, and then we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's cool. Yeah. How and did then, you do that? Wait, 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 how did you do that? And then we'll be like, can you do this? And they'll be like, okay, now that's interesting. We didn't think about doing that with that. Right. And like, I think that kind of thing only happens when the discourse is, uh, is on an equal, equal playing field. Right. When, when yeah, you're letting benefits go both ways. Yeah, so yeah. they learn something from it and we learn something from it as well. Yeah. And when, we grow together when they feel comfortable enough to say, Hey man, we did these too. Cause we thought, you know, you know, listen to you guys, we kind of getting to know you and we thought you guys kind of might like something like this. We're like, yeah, that's cool, dude. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. You know, and, and then, you know, I mean, trust is a big part of that too. Yeah. You have to trust, trust your partners to, to help you become better. Yeah. yeah. So how has the, the launch gone in general? It's been, uh, I guess, what, two, three weeks now, I guess? Four weeks? I'm losing track of time because of the holidays, but how, is, how has it been going? It's crazy. Yeah, very crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. It's yeah. been phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very well received. Um, got great press. And um, we've been just trying to keep up with, with demand. Yeah, and I think that's that's been our our uh, biggest task at hand at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that you had mentioned was like, as industrial designers, uh, you know, I think some of us and uh, we'll go. Uh, uh, if you think about products, right, and you think about the launch being the tip of the iceberg, right, that part where you know you launch a product, right. There's all that stuff that happens before launch, and all that stuff that happens after launch. Right. Um, and I think, uh, you know, uh, as designers, um, you know, the more you get into development, engineering and research, you go to that, you learn more about that front half. Right. But there's that big back half, that whole um, logistics, fulfillment, support side. Right. That's like this big I think you and I even talked about it in the first call, like, you know, this big black hole of industrial design <laughs> not having knowledge of any. Well, Don, of that. it sounds yeah. like you went through those pains with your Kickstarter. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah. And I didn't have the benefit of working with anyone else like you guys had either. So it was kind of. Yeah, you're doing the fulfillment. You're doing it all yourself. Yeah, you're doing yeah. the fulfillment in the store and the yeah. customer support yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and that's even harder. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think it's it's interesting. Like we um, we understand your pains. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people told us a lot of a lot of our good friends. We were warned. You yeah, know? a lot of our friends who are designers who have cut this path before us 
they all told us, oh, yeah, 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 you guys are really great at the product part, making the product part. Well, the, Make- the first thing they asked is, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure you want to sell your own stuff? Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, you guys are really going to be really good at making your thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys are going to be great. Your thing's going to be great, right? Delivering it's yeah. another man. Yeah, they're like, yes. But you guys need to start working on the, like, the fulfillment stuff like now. It's like 10 months before. And we're like, no, we don't need to do we that. Yeah, we have time, <laughs> yeah. you know. And like, like, like a couple of weeks ago, we're like, man, dude, we should start working on this like 10 months ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, but again, like you said, it's kind of one of the things that you secretly start to, I mean, you don't want to be doing it all the time, but you, you have a real appreciation for it and maybe even a love for it. Um, oh my gosh. You know, Cause it becomes, it becomes that whole yeah. ecosystem of doing design. Well, it's, then. It's, oh yeah. It's part of the experience for the consumer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You want to try and make it the best experience possible. Right. And it's tough. You realize, you start to realize, like, how difficult that is, right? Like, and, you know, there's, like, so many unsung heroes, right? And you start to realize that in order to ship a product, it really does take a village, yeah. right? It, it takes everyone, right? And, well, uh, and we know for us it's going to take time to get it right. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like yeah for, all else, you, you... for all of you waiting for your pencils, please be patient. They're <laughs> yeah. coming. Yeah. They're working hard, twenty four seven. Yeah, but it ultimately makes you a lot better designer too, because when you have all of that, those viewpoints that you can kind of bring in, and you know, like like you said, seeing something on the the assembly line and saying, you know, I don't like the way that they're doing that with their fingernail. We should, you know, or you know, getting the input from your partners. It's like you start to just bring all that stuff in from the beginning and, and oh yeah we even had discussions yeah. like how are we going to track our product where does the serial number go you yeah. know if we don't serial number you know like we had yeah how do like, you think about the packaging yeah how do you put in the packaging yeah what how we're in the line did the serial number of the product and the serial number on the packaging get correlated together right like you know how does that happen right like we, we need even, a design and packaging way that makes that simple yeah that yeah happens. all those things right like um you know, there's no longer uh, a packaging division to go to that deals with that, right? There's no longer, you know, and, and to be honest. Yeah, designing the packaging was, man, that was a feat. Oh, yeah. And that's just as much as work as, as designing the product. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, Audrey and Becky could probably speak to that a little bit. Mm. Yeah, talk, talk a little bit about the packaging. Was it a fun team effort being able to, yeah, so come up with a one package that, um, that would get all the parts together because we have like the extra tip and extra razor and then you have uh, the quick start guide and then trying to keep that um, as small as possible because we are shipping direct and um, making sure of still like the pencil kind of stands and uh, it's kind of a, on, on a pedestal so that was that was the goal. Yeah, it's, it, it's really nice when you take off that cap and it's just sort of you know, they're floating, waiting for you to pick it up. It's 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 a really nice. Uh... There are a lot of fun things yeah. with just creating the packaging. Like we had never um, personally worked with pulp before, yeah. molded pulp. I mean, we we had done it in packages before, but we didn't really know how it was done. Yeah, you just hold usually, up a sample to a guy and say, "This is the kind of molded pulp we yeah, want." But, <laughs> but with uh, with Audrey, we would go see a. Um, uh, pulp factory and that was just that was, was so great. cool yeah. oh yeah. yeah just to see how they take these huge sheets of paper and throw it into this vat of water to um to have it dissolve and then they spin it up and, and mash it into a pulp and how that gets formed and dried um, it really opens your eyes and it, it, it starts to 
give you ideas like, oh, these are some cool ways I could mold pulp. Um, and so then you have all the limitation that comes with it. Yeah, the, with draft the angles draft and, and <laughs> things like that. But you start to it really gets your mind thinking. We actually see the facility and how it's yeah, made. Yeah, and, um, it's a really clean process too. So it's very great to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, recyclability was a big thing for us. So mm -hmm. Trying to understand using you know recycled pulp and recycled processes um, to make the packaging more eco-friendly. Yeah. Well, great. Um, you know, I'm I'm super impressed with what you guys have done. It's uh, you know the the way it works with paper is just it's so nice and it's kind of like a no-brainer for people because you you buy it and you get all the tools for free that usually have to pay for in paper so it's you're basically getting a ten dollar off gift certificate when you're when you buy pencil right exactly yeah. yeah it's a it's a good value prop yeah we wanted it to be the you know you buy a pencil it's the whole experience right there's nothing else you need yeah well congratulations um i'm sure that you know it sounds like this is just the start of a whole lot of uh hardware and software from from 53 and from you guys and uh can't wait to see what, uh, what comes next. Yeah, and thank you, Doug. We really appreciate yeah, you and our conversations yeah. with you and, and uh, hearing about your experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, that's our show. I want to thank John, John, and Audrey for being our guests today. Pencil is now available for order at their website, 53.com make sure to spell out the word 53 and not the number 53 that'll take you to a different website you can subscribe to after school on itunes just go to the itunes store on your computer or the podcast app on your mobile device and search for core 77 or after school and when you're there if you like what you're hearing give us a nice review so other people can find us as well also on Core 77, we include show notes that link you to all the stuff you hear us talking about with the 53 crew. You can follow me and the After School podcast on Twitter at After School, and you can follow Core 77 on Twitter at Core 77. After School's theme song is Introducing Today by Disco Lobos. I'm Don Lehman. Talk to you soon. <laughs>